You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 12. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and I am so excited to share today's interview with you. Today, we are talking to Larry Ludwig. Larry has an entrepreneurial journey that spans more than two decades, but he's most well-known today for creating the popular website, InvestorJunkie.com. Larry launched the website back in December 2009, and it became the leading investing services review and comparison site, which generated revenue only from affiliate marketing. And get this, in July 2018, Larry successfully sold Investor Junkie for $6 million. Before we dive into the interview, I want to make sure that you know you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 12. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number 12. So this is a must-listen episode because Larry shares his secrets about how he grew Investor Junkie, his best tips for success with affiliate marketing, and what it takes to win with SEO in 2019. In this episode, you will learn how to make your content stand out to outrank your competition in the search engines, the biggest mistakes most businesses make with affiliate marketing, and what to do if you are making them too and how to authentically lead your audience through the customer journey to attract more conversions and make more sales, plus a whole lot more. So let's dive in to the interview with internet marketing legend, Larry Ludwig from LarryLudwig.com. All right, Larry, thank you so much for joining me. I am thrilled to be talking with you today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. You have a very interesting story, very interesting background. And I want to start off with, first of all, who you are and what you do. And then we're going to start from the beginning and how you got into this online business world. Sound good? Uh, Yeah. I mean, definitely can go down a path. I mean, the interesting thing. So I I started Investor Junkie, uh, InvestorJunkie.com at 2010, actually December 2009, but 2010. And was at the time frustrated with my current business and wanted to really grow from there. I knew affiliate marketing was a way to create a business. In the end, I didn't know how much it could really turn into a business. And in the end of last year, uh, July 2018, I sold it for seven figures. Very nice. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. Take us back to the beginning because I know that you've got a very long story and career and experience online. Where did you get the idea to create Investor Junkie from the beginning? But then I know you had other businesses before that. So take us back to when did you decide to become an entrepreneur? I mean, even started probably in college. I mean, I always had interest in starting a business. And again, I mean, partly my father, you know, I can't say said you should start a business, but ultimately he always wanted to do a business himself and never really did. And I also knew you know, looking at everyone else around me or looking at relatives that were well off, the ones that were well off typically ran their own business. 
And I have an uncle who's owned a business for geez, now almost 50 years. So I knew that was the right way to go. So once I graduated college, in fact, actually my exit interview from my college, they asked me, you know, what do you want to do? I said, I want to own a business. So I, I knew right then and there. And that's not to say I instantly graduating from college, went off and did my own thing. I also knew I had to have some more experience in the business world, at least get a, a feel for what it's like. And so I started working for a local company in New York and just knew right then and there, it was just trouble in the sense of, you know, I'm like, well, I knew the technology better than them. I understood what needed to be done. Over the years, I've worked at multiple jobs. I worked at, in fact, four jobs within four years. And within the, the technology sector, it just, you tend to grow salary-wise and, and position-wise if you hop from job to job. So I did just that. But after four years, I just knew I have to do something. I have to do my own business. I have to start something, at least on the side. And so I did. So I started a web hosting business in 1997 with my friend Rob. And from that, you know, it just was a constant struggle. Actually, at the first year of business, we really didn't generate that much revenue. And it was the point where I was like, look, either I need to work at another company or we need to do this full time. And the full time was just not happening. So I decided to work for another startup. And about a year into that working for that startup, I got a call from a client of ours, actually a web hosting customer, who said, would you like to partner with us? And at the time, I said, sure, why not? I was not happy at the time. I was working literally every week. I was in a different place in the world and was just not happy with the travel and just no social life. And not understanding that owning your own business, you still won't have a social life. But after that, decided to go full time with these partners. And so was that a web hosting company as well? That was a web hosting company as well. And they were just not the right fit. And so after two years of working with them, a little over two years, decided the partnership should be dissolved and found another partner. And that partner also didn't go anywhere. One business partner told me a story that said, you know, being in business is like uh, being married, except without the sex. And, you know, I didn't really understand at the time what he meant by that, but it was true in the sense of, there's a lot of arguments, a lot of disagreements, a lot of battles that you don't have you have to deal with as a partner, business partner. So I decided after three rounds of partnerships to just go off on my own and keep doing the web hosting. But it was this again, I was driven to do the web hosting, but it was just a constant battle to try to acquire new customers and try to acquire customers that really appreciated the work and time involved. So after that, you know, that's where kind of investor junkie came into place where I had worked with a client called Thought Catalog. And saw their success and just knew it was just, why don't I do something like that? But in the case of investing, so I did. And so what was Thought Catalog doing? How were they raising? Or they were, I mean, they were, they were doing through ad banners. So they were not doing through affiliate marketing, like unlike Investor Junkie. But also at that same time, I spotted a uh, website that went, that was in, based on actually bank CD rates, uh, bankaholic.com was sold in 2008 for $15 million. And that was a one-man show. And that was just based purely on affiliate marketing. And I'm looking at that like, well, if this one guy could do a bank CD website, why can't I do that for something, either an investment space or something similar? And that's where I kind of put two and two together. You know, I knew building my own website was the best way to go since, again, I had the skill sets and did it for other clients. But also knew that probably ad banners was not the best way to go, but long-term affiliate marketing made more sense. What year was this when you started 
Investor Junkie? You said December so, 2009? Yeah, December 2009. Well, so your idea was that you were interested in learning about investments. Is that right? And investment strategy and more than you were finding from other resources. So you wanted well, to create the resources. Is that, is that right? I mean, yeah, I mean, it was twofold. I mean, I can't say I was a novice with investing. I always had an active interest, even in fact, in college, uh, as far as money and finance and investing. I would listen to literally radio shows back in college or read books on investing, like Susie Orman, back in college. And, you know, meanwhile, my friends were out partying. You know, little did I know that curiosity about investing, about personal finance would make me want to create a site back in 2009. So I had that experience and understanding behind me, plus also had a decent amount of money as a nest egg already. And then the other thing was, again, what was the need that was not being filled out there? So it was, again, partially for me, but partially I saw a, a gap out there. That was this people, there are a lot of investment websites, but there was no investment sites or review websites on the various products and services. So that's kind of the way the path. Initially, Investor Junkie didn't start off that way. But eventually, after like a year and a half into it, I realized that was the best path to go. Well, that makes sense because, so you had an interest in investing. I mean, a long-term interest. So it wasn't like something that you were interested in for just that period in your life. It was something that you had shown yourself that you had this long-term interest in learning about. And that would keep you going with creating the site and on what you were learning there. And then also you had this desire to have your own business and be an entrepreneur because you had tried several different things, but it just wasn't the right fit. And with the partnerships, you decided to go about it on your own. And then you had this monetization strategy that you incorporated as well. Is that what happened? Is it just that there was this, you know, trifecta that just aligned perfectly and then Investor Junkie became this big success or was there more to it? Did you have struggles and bumps in the road along the way? <laughs> I'm laughing because, yeah, there's no straight path in an entrepreneurship at all, ever. There's always ups and downs. And with that said, yeah, even Investor Junkie had its up and downs. There were definitely times where I thought I wanted to quit. There was definitely a period, I want to say in 2011, 2012, where I was hit by Google's uh, Panda update and affected traffic pretty massively, actually. I think it was like a 20 or 30% loss. And from that, just really understood that I had to learn from not only become better at SEO, but also just understand you're going to have these issues along the way. And how can I recover from it and or how can I improve and how can I better myself and or the website? So that's really the lessons I took from it. But there was no straight path. There was definitely ups and downs both for Investor Junkie and for my other businesses along the way. There's no easy path for this. You know, I hate to say that, but it's true. It's definitely the dedication. Being persistent is the ultimate goal, is that you just constantly have to pursue. And if you need to, change direction. So kind of in my case, I knew the goal was to build a business that was profitable, but it also was not to be fixated on just one business. In retrospect, I probably should have shut down my web hosting business years ago, uh, but I didn't. I was just more committed both mentally and physically, and keep doing it. In retrospect, there's this point where you just have to give up and start something new. Well, so I like the lessons already that you've shared with us. You said, find the need that's not being filled and then create the solution. And that's how you can stand out in the marketplace. But then also understand that in this path of entrepreneurship, there's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be ups and downs. Things aren't always going to go your way. There are going to be surprises like, Google's Panda update in 2011, 2012. And from there, so you started off with this strategy to use SEO to grow the site. Is that true? 
Yes. I mean, okay. SEO is the, always the thought process. And again, when I started in 2010, I had some experience with SEO, be it for web hosting. It's a very competitive industry. You know, I was not that good at it in web hosting, for SEO that is. But as I really read up and understood and really learned how SEO worked, you know, that's how Investor Junkie grew. And it was also much more than gaming Google or is it the higher rankings. It was really the beauty of uh, with Google coming down. As it progressed over the years, Google really became much more in tune with user experience. And that was something I was always about, is not trying to gain the system by having you know, the word investing 10,000 times at the bottom of the page, a technique that would have worked you know, 20 years ago. But nowadays, it's really about how well the user responds to your content. And I learned that it was really best to write good content, best to write, best to add more interaction on your website. Uh, in our case, with the reviews, more than just purely a review, but comparisons and add content. But in the end, ultimately, content is a commodity. You have to figure out how can you improve user experience more than just purely content. Content obviously is important if you have a review of, say, an investment product and the review is horrible. No one's going to read it. But in the same notion, you can have five others behind you writing the same review. So how do you get a competitive edge over a website, in this case, in the investment space? In our case, we did it through comparisons, detailed reviews, and made it easy to manage that content throughout the site. I like that. So were you looking at what other investment sites were doing and made that intentional decision to stand out and set yourselves apart? Totally. I mean, I use the saying is the classic, uh, what's the, the meme? I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. And that applies to SEO. So in other words, I don't have to be the best content in the world. I have to be just better than what else is out there. With SEO, you're always competing against others. And again, as someone else writes better content or, or adds better interactivity or something on their site that you don't have, Google will long-term naturally bubble that up to be higher ranked. So you're always competing against other websites. What would be your biggest tips for somebody who's wanting to uplevel their SEO game right now in this day and age? Because I know that you know it constantly changes and what Google is looking for to rank and prioritize different posts to give the best user experience to its users what would be like your three biggest tips for today? Well, one is definitely look at the existing content out there for the SEO. In other words, if you type in a keyword, let's say, what is the best mortgage rate? Look at what else is out there in terms of articles. You know, what value can you add? What other details can you add that are not there? So if you can add more content, say a comparison tool or something like that, that currently is not on those other pages, by all means, add it. So it's more than just purely good content. So you got to write good content, of course, that's assumed. But you also have to make it a better user experience. And again, some of it is adding more functionality to the page. The second thing I would be recommending is making sure you stay within your niche, if you will. Meaning, if you're writing about investment services and only investment services, don't have an article on get the best loan. You know, it's not really appropriate and Google will not reward you for that. You have to make sure you stay within your certain niche. The third thing I would recommend is keyword research. So making sure you have a decent amount of volume for a certain keyword, meaning if you only get 50 visitors a month for a certain keyword and it's high competition for it, then you're wasting your time. And there are ways to actually even shortcut or test out to make sure the certain keyword is even the keyword you want to focus on, meaning one tip I've suggested to others is, okay, say you want to do a keyword on, again, what's the best mortgage rate? 
and you want to rank for that keyword. But again, to rank for that keyword is going to take a lot of effort. But how do you even know if it's the right keyword to focus on? So what you can do is do, do a Google ad and actually pay to rank for that keyword and see if it even makes sense to do you even get an ROI out of it. So that's one suggestion I would do is to quickly see if you can rank for paid ad instead. And then if it makes sense, start focusing on the organic. Very cool. So what other tools do you use or would you use? Yeah, I would recommend using Ahrefs, of course. Ahrefs is a great tool. I mean, it allows you all sorts of data that you can gather not only for your own site, but the competing sites, what they're ranking for, what they're not ranking for, how they've been doing over time. You know, has the latest Google update affected you positively or negatively? Uh, same with your competition. And you really gather. So the other thing, too, is to make sure you know, Google's constantly changing their algorithms. Uh, they say, what is it, once a day or twice a day in some cases? But their major updates are probably once a month, at least in the past year or two. So if that's the case, realize that you can be ranking really high for something now, but it is possible to have a ranking decrease, not only just for that one page, but overall. And look at those trends. If you're starting to decrease ranking for keywords over, the, say, the past uh, month, then it's showing in your eyes of Google. Uh, it's telling me you're not doing something right. It could be as simple as stuff as you have really a poor user experience. You have not enough menu items to help people navigate your site or you have that god-awful pop-up coming off as soon as they land on your site. Things like that, or even another example is on mobile. Uh, mobile experience is horrible compared to desktop. So things like that can definitely affect ranking very quickly. Yeah, I was going to ask about mobile because I know for Facebook ads, it's so important because we see typically 80 to 90% of the engagement is on the mobile platform. And so I would think that the mobile experience is a huge factor for SEO as well. I mean, with Google, in fact, they actually have a separate index. So they broke out, I believe, a year and a half ago. They actually have two separate indexes. They have one for desktop and one for mobile. And it's very possible that you can rank higher on one version compared to the other. So you have to make sure if that is the case, then that should tell you you're doing something wrong on your mobile or desktop uh, and you need to fix that. So it's specifically then a mobile or desktop issue that you need to rectify. That's very interesting. Whenever we're setting up a new campaign or we're going to drive traffic to a new landing page, I'm always pulling it up on my phone to see what it looks like. Is it easy to interact with? Is it easy, you know, if we want to have, you know, drive leads, so we want to get that conversion of the name and email, are we making it super easy for people to do that on their phones? And so I think for SEO, it sounds like the same applies. You need to make sure that you're not going to have weird pop-ups. I know Google has already said they don't want pop-ups on mobile. Is that correct? They will de-rank you? Is that well, the term? I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a pop-up per se. I mean, one of the, for the client I'm working with right now, I did an audit for their uh, site for SEO. And I saw on mobile, so they would have a certain keyword, let's say a review of a certain product or service. But even before you got to the review, you'd show up, it wasn't a pop-up, but it was actually an email sign-up form. Nothing to do with the actual service. So right then and there, that's a, a way to turn off people before they can read to the review. I mean, ultimately, they want to read the review. They don't care about your product or service you're offering, be it a pop-up or just having it at the top of the page. So stuff like that matters. User experience matters even more so than ever. And there are definitely cases where you can rank for a certain keyword where you have no backlink. And that's some cases low to medium uh, competition of a keyword. So you can actually rank for something in Google and have no backlinks. 
Uh, so that's always something to consider. So it's not always about the backlinks. Uh, it's about user experience as well. And again, Google's been said it uses over 200 different metrics to measure and then rank your site. And that's very true. And links definitely are still a part of it, but it's not as important as it used to be, say, five, 10 years ago. Very cool. Okay. So that's a good lesson for everybody to pay attention to is that, I mean, as Larry said, user experience matters more now than ever before. So make sure that you are interacting with your content as the user and going through that process as somebody would enter your site, as they come in from an ad, as they find you on Google, what does that experience look like? And make sure it's a clean one and it makes sense that you're not putting things up in their way to block the content or... I was going to say even even more than that. I mean, you definitely should test it out yourself or have people test it out on mobile and desktop for that matter and make sure that your user experience is good. Since you're into the weeds of building a website and dealing with it on a day-to-day basis, you just assume certain things are obvious to you. And as a user, that may be far from the truth. So you really have to measure and monitor what your real users are doing. And there are tools out there nowadays relatively cheap that can do that easily. And again, this is a more advanced topic, but totally needed not only for, for SEO, but even for paid ads, be it Facebook or Google. So you should be using tools like Hotjar, that's hotjar.com, or CrazyEgg, crazyegg.com. And both of them have what's called heat maps, where it shows you visually on the aggregate where people are reading the article and where they drop off, what buttons are they clicking on, or in some cases, what things they're thinking is a button, but it's not a button or a link. So things like that, you'll be surprised. You can get information, make sure you adjust accordingly or add a link where it should be or realize, well, the readers are not really fully reading the whole entire article. They're stopping, say, halfway down. Maybe we should put an ad or something or a sign-up form here because that's where they stop or figure out a way to increase engagement before they drop off. And on top of that, there are two tools. With those two services, they have now even video options. So you can literally record each user session as they're traversing your site and what they're doing on the site. So you can see on mobile and desktop what they're doing and again, adjust accordingly. So you not only can see the aggregate through the heat maps, but watch a playback of the video of them actually using the site. So this is so great. I really love getting into these more advanced tips and tactics. When should somebody in their journey to seven figures, when should they start looking at this? You know, if you're in the beginning phases, you're just trying to figure out blogging and, you know, getting consistent content and making sure that your content is decent. So at what point in the journey or maybe at what point in your journey did you start paying attention to all of these details like this? Well, in my case, I started really early because also I had that background and I've been doing it for years already and worked for other clients doing the same stuff. So I'm a little bit ahead of the game in that sense. For most people... I agree with you. I think most people struggle with just getting the site built, getting it out, getting it you know, shipped, so to speak, getting it out the door and getting it working, getting content out there on a consistent basis, building your relationships with, say, affiliate vendors, stuff like that. So just in my eyes, you know, most people shouldn't be focusing on this stuff. It's definitely advanced. But when we start getting into income levels of, say, five figures, mid five figures to six figures a month or you know, seven figures yearly, without question. 1% tweak here, 1% tweak there can actually add up very significantly over time. I mean, I was always about what thing can I improve every day on the site? And that's definitely a mantra I would apply or help suggest others should do is what thing can I do today to improve my site? Not only necessarily content, but again, user experience. What value can I add to my readers? What value can I add to my customers? 
things like that definitely pay off in the long term. And again, it's those 1% changes, let's say every day over a long period can make a huge difference. I love that. That's absolutely great. Let's talk about the monetization. So affiliate marketing, I know a lot of people struggle with even just getting started with creating consistent revenue from affiliate marketing. It sounds so great that, you know, we love recommending things to our friends day in and day out. And so to be able to do that on a website where we can have, you know, thousands of people coming to our site and clicking on our links, it sounds like it should be so easy. Yet I find that a lot of bloggers specifically struggle with having those conversions. So what tips do you have for us for somebody who is just trying to figure out how to create consistent revenue through affiliate marketing? That's a good question. Pretty much every business should do affiliate marketing. Uh, me at a blog to an e-commerce site because you can't offer every product and service out there, but yet your audience has a need to fill. You're helping satisfy a specific need and you, you want to make sure you can help satisfy them in various ways. And for my web hosting, for example, I offered domain registration and SSL certificates, things that I could never do myself, but I, I offered as an affiliate through third-party services. So that was something I helped them fill that need, but yet didn't have to go off to another company. So that's the first thing. So I would, I would recommend making sure every business, uh, be it a blog, in my case about investing, to again, an e-commerce site selling stuff on Amazon, you can offer something that would be complementary to your services via affiliate. And again, if anything, being an established business, you already have relationships and a customer base you can build off of. If you're just starting out, I mean, with affiliate marketing, it can definitely be an easy way to make money because you don't have to build your own products and services. The problem I think most people get scared of is thinking that they're being too pushy or too promotional. If anything, I think most people do the opposite or they're too extreme one side or the other, meaning they don't promote or recommend products and services fear, afraid of being too salesy-ish or on the other extreme, they push so hard they turn off their audience. I don't really find a balance in the middle. So I, I recommend trying to find a balance in the middle. And where that is really depends on your site and your audience. But in the end, you're trying to help solve a person's needs. You can fully believe and trust in that product or service, meaning I would never recommend a product or service that I couldn't use or did use, in fact. And you have to make sure you, you believe in that product or service first and foremost. So I would definitely make sure you're recommending products and services that truly you like and give reasons why. So don't just purely say, yeah, I recommend product X because of it's great, but yet in reality is you never used it nor care to. Does that make sense for you? Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I think as far as which products to offer as an affiliate for, you know, definitely look at what makes sense. What are your readers? What are your customers? What is your audience asking for that doesn't necessarily align with your current offerings, but you could definitely partner as an affiliate for, you know, someone or some product and offer that and be able to get that commission for that referral. So that definitely makes sense. And then also, you know, uh, I think... I mean, in your case, let's use the example for you. For example, sure. you have Facebook marketing and helping people with Facebook ads. But yet, there's definitely things complementary that has nothing to do with Facebook or you could never offer yourself, let's say, email marketing. You know, to complement your Facebook course and your consulting and your what you talk about, maybe you can offer email marketing and, and recommend, say, a certain mailing list provider that either ties in well with Facebook or you know could help supplement your audience through Facebook, through email. Absolutely. Yeah. While we're on the subject, I love ConvertKit. <laughs> <laughs> and so 
<laughs> if you are looking for an amazing email service provider, so tell me how how was my pitch? If you're looking for an amazing email service provider, I definitely recommend ConvertKit. They've definitely up leveled their game with their features, with their automations and their rules. And we have our funnels going through ConvertKit and it's really easy to set up and quick to learn. So if you're interested in checking out ConvertKit, you can go to monicalouie.com slash ConvertKit. So how would you rate me? Is that too pushy or is that not promotional enough? No, I mean, it makes sense. We're talking about it. So, uh, and again, I didn't plan this out. So it was not like I, she whispered in my ear to say, mention ConvertKit. <laughs> but with that said, it's a perfect, yeah, I mean, it made sense. You should talk about certain services when it made sense, not shoehorn it in to say, you know, I have to mention ConvertKit because it's now, you know, five minutes into the conversation or an email or a, a blog post. It just doesn't make sense. So again, and readers are aware of that. People are aware of when you're trying to really push a product or service when they understand that you're really trying to help them. The audience should always come first, you know, not the affiliate conversion. That's not to say you shouldn't remove things out of the way to make the conversion happen more likely. Let's say ad banners, as an example. You know, Investor Junkie actually had no ad banners at the time. And that was a conscious decision because of, again, why am I to distract them for other things, ad banners that say leave off the site when ultimately our goal is for affiliate conversion. So it made the, the user experience cleaner, nicer, and actually, in most cases, lend themselves to convert more. I'm taking a lot of notes because this is so great. What you said there, I mean, you kind of went over it quickly, but the audience should always come first. And that goes back to SEO, right? So you always want to make sure that you're providing great value and a great user experience. And so also with your affiliate offers, it should be the same way where you're really making that offer in order to help them because you know that it's something that if they're reading this post, they likely need. Or if they're in this situation going through your funnel or your email list path, that you know that this might be relevant to where they are and wherever they are in the stage of where you help them. In the funnel. I mean, let me give you a little tip as far as SEO. I think will blow your mind as well. I mean, SEO definitely is in alignment much more with the user experience and even related to paid ads. And the thing that's interesting is there are certain keywords by very nature are much more transactional. And you have to be in alignment with that, how transactional that keyword is. So the example I always use is, what is a mortgage compared to what's the best mortgage rate? are completely different as far as intent. So know what how much intent is in that keyword. And then therefore, you can have on what's the best mortgage rate, much more a salesy or, or recommended list of, say, brokerage firms compared to what is a mortgage. You're really at the informational stage. You're much higher along on the funnel. You're not ready to, when I say higher, at the top of the funnel. You're much higher on the funnel than someone who's almost ready to convert, let's say, on a review. So know that as well. So therefore, that affects how much transactional your page can be. So the more transactional the keyword is, the more actionable that keyword is, the more transaction you can have that web page on for SEO. But it also applies to paid ads as well. Again, readers kind of sniff that out and notice, well, you know, I'm not really ready to apply for a mortgage. I'm just trying to find out what a mortgage is. You know, leave me alone. And that's a turnoff. And then that will hurt your ranking for SEO for that keyword. So be aware of that. That is great advice. As far as growing those conversions, then we want to think about transactional keywords. What transactional keywords apply that well, people are looking for? Not necessarily. I mean, there's value at, more importantly, you have to know where they are in the, the sales process. You have to think about SEO, like any 
ad you do on Facebook or otherwise, is where they are in the sales process, be it affiliate or your own product or service. So you have to think about it as, where are they in the informational gathering stage of what is this certain service, or are they ready to convert now? Again, the difference is between a promotional page I had on Investor Junkie compared to a review. Both were pretty transactional, but obviously a promotional page, people are searching for that keyword, they're ready to convert, they're just looking for the best offer. So instantly, you know for a fact they're going to sign up for the said service, where compared to a review or more of a, you know, let's use my example of what are robo-advisors? Robo-advisors are, you know, they're really at the interest phase or they heard about it. One of their friends said, you know, go check out a robo-advisor. Well, what is a robo-advisor? So you'd search for that keyword. Again, you're really in the informational gathering stage of the funnel. You're not ready to convert yet. Would it make sense to have content that covers the informational stage, but then also leads them to, you know, so maybe you, with your robo-advisor topic example, we have information about what is a robo-advisor. And then at the end of that blog post, would you then say, if you want to learn more about the best robo-advisors or the ones that we recommend, click here to learn more and then take them to your more comparison post? Would that make sense? Yes. I mean, that goes back to then a better user experience. You want to obviously keep them on your site. If they've trusted you so much for this, to read this article and finish it, then by all means, you know, get them to stay one way or another, be it email sign up, be it a link on another related article, again, like you just suggested, anything. You know, you want to try to keep them on your site. You spent all this time and money to get ranking for the said keyword, you know, get them to stay on the site. But only after you establish some relationship, some commitment by the reader to read that article. So by all means, uh, that's one way to do it, without question. So, I mean, in the end, you're trying to be a, an expert in that said category. So you try to cover not only the highly transactional keywords, but the ones that are more informational as well, because again, not everyone is ready and not everyone's at the same stage. On top of that, if you're ranking for those different phases of the um, keyword, people say, oh, I recognize that brand. You know, I, I read them when I was really trying to find out about a robo-advisor. Now I'm ready to commit. You know, I saw they're now ranked for Betterment Review. Oh, that's right. They wrote this great article on robo-advisors. Now I'll check them out. And we saw that actually happen in our stats. You would see someone, you know, search for, tell me more, you know, what are robo-advisors? And then say a month or two later, search for Betterment Review. And they would click on us probably more likely because of they read that initial review. So by all means, you're kind of seeding that visitor along the way. I like that a lot because as you said, you're very mindful of the customer journey and where they are in the sales process. And then you're providing the resources that they are needing at that perfect time in their journey. And so what tool are you looking at when you said, you know, we're, we see that in our stats? Is that Google Analytics? Is that Google Tag Manager? What mm. are you looking at to be able to follow that path uh, I, you know, yeah, 30 I, days later? I hate Google. Uh, Google Analytics as far as, for what it is, don't get me wrong. I mean, as far as a free tool and what it can offer for most people, it's great. The problem, this again gets pretty technical or pretty detailed. The problem nowadays is Google Analytics is just about web analytics, and that's really it. And the problem is, in this day and age, you have multiple touch points. You have people coming from, obviously, web. You have people coming from email. You have push notifications. You have social media. You have all these various sources and and various ways to interact with your audience. The problem with Google Analytics, again, is just web-based. So the tool I've used and recommended over the years is Woopra. And it's a weird name, but it's a great uh, service. It's W-O-O-P-R-A.com. And again, it's not cheap by any, all means. It's, I think, $1,000 per month. 
there's a free version, but that free version is pretty much useless. Just pretty much bait you into trying out that, the service and realizing how great it is. But it's a great service in that, again, you can tie in. To tie in the data from the various sources can get a little complicated. But once you have it tied into one system, you can see the whole journey of, again, this person signed up or found us through an organic post or paid ad, let's say, through Facebook. They then visited our website. They signed up for the mailing list. They then opened up the last five emails from us. And then they eventually converted. Whooper would show all that journey for that one person, and you would know it. And you can also then generate funnels and other more advanced stuff to show visually how, how effective or ineffective a person is through a certain journey. That's really great. That sounds like the solution that we've been looking for because a lot of that can be really hard because especially with you know paid advertising, so we do Facebook and Instagram ads and we can bring in a lot of traffic for a super low cost. We can bring in you know, super inexpensive leads, but then it can be hard to track well, what happens after that, you know, because we know that depending on the price of the product that we're leading people into, you know, maybe their customer journey is not the seven days that we want it to be with our sales funnel. Maybe it's more like 30, 60, 90 days. And so that would be interesting to be able to track that and see that, yes, from this Facebook ad that we ran three months ago, we are now making the sale and it was definitely worth it because there's well, consistency here. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about more post-sales stuff as well, and that definitely can be done. Again, you can look up your, say, membership site without question and then track that membership. And again, no, well, these Facebook leads for this certain ad converted decently, but again, the lifetime value for that member stunk over time. And again, without knowing that full journey, you know, say in uh, Thrivecart, as an example, or Samcart, you would know the lifetime value, but you don't know, again, really the true source of that conversion. And again, it's trying to link up all the stuff into one system is really the key. Is you, you have instead of separate data silos, you have them all in one nice analytic tool that wraps up in a bow. And again, to get to that point, it does take some work to glue all that stuff together, and it's very advanced. But the power of that is tremendous. It allows you, again, to know the full journey of a customer. From like you said, from the sales process to post-sales, and again, how well you retain that person. Yeah, that's really great. Thank you. Do you have any other magical tools I mean, the, your the, sleeve uh, that you can recommend? Well, as far as affiliate, again, for the advanced affiliate manager or affiliate marketer, I should say, uh, for the advanced affiliate marketer, I recommend ClickMeter. It's clickmeter.com. And again, that's much more powerful than, say, um, Pretty Link Pro or Pretty Link is a free tool. And then there's another one, Thirsty Affiliates. So Thirsty Affiliates and Pretty Links are very basic as far as they do. At minimum, you should be using something like those tools because they allow you to manage are your links effectively? Do you have them all in one place? By all means, do not, I repeat, do not put an affiliate link directly in your, your article. You'll regret that in the long term because it'll wind up a big headache if they change, say, affiliate networks. And at least you have them all in one place. And more importantly, you know that you're tracking, if you have to, say, update a link, you just do it in one place. Outside of that, things like ClickMeter, it's a service as opposed to being on your uh, WordPress installation it allows you to do what's called trackbacks. And again, that's a whole other subject where you can then know a conversion happened and then send it back to Whooper and know a conversion happened for this specific user. And again, to your point, my goal was to treat it as if it was our own product or service through affiliate marketing. Okay, so when somebody comes to your site and they click on an affiliate link, how do you set up your site so that you can track that? Do you create a link via ClickMeter? Is that how it works? Yeah, I mean without going into too much detail because someone can get pretty technical. But the ClickMeter would have the actual link. From there, the, we would put the link on our site. And then from there, 
conversion, we would send a unique code to the, the vendor or the merchant. From them, when a conversion happened, they would send that same ID back. And then it would populate in ClickMeter this note that conversion happened. So it, it would actually start from us sending some unique ID to the merchant. From then, the conversion happened, they would send that unique ID back. And then therefore, it would fire off the event to say, hey, conversion happened, and do the rest of the work needed to show up in Safe Wubra. I see. Okay, very good. Yeah, cool. it gets, it's very complicated. You deal with API calls and all this other technical mumbo jumbo, but it does allow you to, again, you're pretty much what you're doing is you're gluing all these separate services into one nice system. Right. But then, I mean, it definitely makes sense once you can see that path and you know where to concentrate your efforts. Yes. I mean, in the end, the from a marketing perspective, that's why I love about this space is it allows you to do things. Again, I always use the analogy of you know direct marketing years ago. You'd have some person touting, you know, I, I created the perfect classified ad, a perfect ad, but yet it would take them how many years to perfect that ad? I mean, literally, there are cases where people took years to perfect a classified ad, where nowadays you know pretty quickly with a matter of hours in some cases, well, that didn't work and can start over again. You know, again, the ability with the internet allows us to speed up that whole process and get a feedback very quickly. Yeah, I absolutely love this internet world. There's so many possibilities. Okay, so you grew Investor Junkie with SEO and traffic. That was your main traffic source. And then the monetization was through affiliate marketing. Is there any other, you know, main factor that contributed to the growth and success of Investor Junkie? Well, like I said, it was more than just purely a good-looking site. It was also functional as well. So we added functionality there that it made it easy to compare. You know, if you wanted to find out Betterment versus Wealthfront, we had the ability to automatically generate those pages and do a comparison between those two services. So it allowed us to grow, not only to allow us to display the data on a page, but in the end, it allowed us to create comparison pages on the fly. So if we added a new robo-advisor, we could instantly show up on the rest of the site. That's, again, very, very technical, very, very advanced for most people. But at least in the end, it was more than just purely content. It was much more about what functionality, what features can we add? So again, think about satisfying your users purely more than just content. What other ways can you help them really in the end? And again, it could be a course. It could be a PDF document that you can have them sign up to your newsletter. It could be, I mean, it could be really anything. It could be a physical product even. I mean, granted, I'm much more about online stuff. But you can do, it could be anything you want depending on what your niche is. Right. So you're saying, you know, you added in the functionality on your site to help set it apart and to build that user experience and provide more value to the visitor. But we can do that in other ways as we grow our businesses. That could be offering, like you said, a course or, you know, a free download or just thinking outside the box of what else can you provide or can you set up that can provide extra value that keeps people coming back and referring others to your site as well? Well, yeah. I mean, a part of the thing we didn't talk about with SEO is the whole, especially in the investment and personal finance spaces, your money or your life, they call it. And it's, it's a, the Google really looks closely with a really sharp eye at investment websites. So they use a thing called EAT, an E-A-T. It stands for Expertise, Authority, and Trust. So Google's really looking at your site at those factors. In what ways can you display expertise? What ways can you show authority? And what ways can you show trust? And there are certain things you can do to establish those means. It's not only just on-site, but also off-site. Again, if no one's linking to your site, 
as an example, Google's not going to trust you. So therefore, you're not going to rank high for that said keyword. Again, ultimately creates good content. You need to make sure you have that good content. It's a chicken and the egg scenario. If you're just starting out and you have good content, eventually people will link to you and like what you have to say. So SEO is not a short game. It's something that literally can take six months to a year before you any, yield any results, unlike, say, direct marketing, or I should say, internet ads, you know, Facebook or Google. You can know within a matter of hours, you can turn it on and off and know you have traffic and know this idea worked or not. SEO, it's not like that, fortunately. So with Investor Junkie, did you use Facebook or Instagram ads? We didn't do Instagram. We did Facebook. We did Google ads. Uh, we did even Quora. We did Bing, which actually is really successful, believe it or not. Uh, Bing is a, a much smaller audience, but it's pretty much a duplicate of Google ads. I mean, anytime Google adds a new functionality, lo and behold, a few days later, Bing adds the functionality to their, their ad system. But it, it's a smaller audience. A lot of people won't use Bing because of, uh, for ads, that is. They won't use Bing because of, they just feel it's a non-player, where in fact, for my stats, it shows about 5% of the audience. So you're, you're missing out an audience that has less competition because less people are buying ads on that. And actually, the ROI usually is higher. Interesting. Did you do anything with LinkedIn ads? A little bit. I mean, they've since improved. Both Quora and LinkedIn have improved since I've last tried. I think for my new business venture, both are definitely more suited towards it. Uh, LinkedIn definitely is more business-oriented. You know, it'd be like for me putting ads on Instagram, just not really appropriate for investing. But for LinkedIn, I think for my new venture, it would be better. For my site, LarryLedwood.com, I think it will be more appropriate because it is more business-focused. Okay, so let's talk about your new venture. So you sold Investor Junkie last year, in the middle of last year, as final. So what have you been doing since then? Well, I'm slowly starting off my new business. I mean, I've been sort of taking it easy. My commitments ended December of last year, December 2018. So I built up LarryLudwood.com. So that's my site. And my goal this year is to really ramp up and really help others in the internet marketing, affiliate marketing space, SEO as well. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people need help in this space. So the goal is to come out with a course this year. The first course would be on affiliate marketing. The second course would be on SEO. Very cool. And so you mentioned that you do SEO audits as well. Is that something that you currently offer? Yes, I do. I don't have it listed on the site. I actually need to add that. But I do audits as well. I do consulting as well. I mean, I, I do consulting both on any things I described today. I mean, from the basics for affiliate marketing to the advanced which probably most people would be more interested in, to SEO audits, to actually just overall SEO consulting. Very cool. All right. Well, that's very exciting. So people can find you at LarryLedwig.com. Is there any other links or social platforms that you want to share? I mean, you can do Twitter, which is L. Ludwig. Instagram, which is Larry Ludwig Official. And on Facebook, it's Larry Ludwig Page. I mean, all that's available at the bottom of my uh, website, LarryLedwig.com. Okay. So basically they can get in, in contact with Just go to my website, yeah. LarryLedwig.com. Perfect. It's, easy, it's easiest way, yeah. Wonderful. Well, do you have any other words of advice for somebody who is working on growing their business from maybe they've hit six figures, but they are trying to get to seven figures? What advice would you give to them? What got you to six figures probably will be different to get you to seven figures, no different than to if you want to go towards eight figures. So the advice would be, what got you to six figures was great. You're definitely a success. You're definitely in a minority. So congratulations. 
But to get to that seven figures level, you're going to have to probably change your game plan. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Larry. It was a pleasure to talk with you and learn more about your story. And I'm just amazed at all the great advice and the details that you provided. So thank you for that. Thank you. Wasn't that such a great conversation? Thank you so much to Larry for sharing your wisdom with us. And after the interview, Larry shared a few resources with me that he thought you might be interested in. The first is for his technical SEO audit. So if you're interested in having Larry himself review your site and tell you where you can make improvements to rank higher in the search engines, then check out monicalouie.com slash SEO audit. Or if you're interested in learning more of Larry's affiliate secrets, check out his course called Affiliate Secrets at monicalouie.com slash affiliate secrets. As of this recording, he is still putting the finishing touches on the program so you can join the wait list right now. But if you're listening to this episode in the future, then that link will redirect to the program. So I invite you to check it out at monicalouie.com slash affiliate secrets. And yes, Both of those links I shared are my affiliate links. So I will receive a small commission if you decide to sign up for either of those offers through my affiliate link. And remember that you can find all the links, tools, and resources that we mentioned today in the show notes, which you can find at monicalouie.com slash 12. So now it's time to take action. What one thing are you going to implement from the interview with Larry today? Some of my biggest takeaways are how user experience matters more now than ever. And we see that especially with Facebook ads. So always pay attention to how the audience is perceiving your content. Be sure to check it out on mobile and make sure that you're making it easy to consume. I also love how Larry focused on the fact that the audience should always come first. And this came up multiple times in regards to SEO and with affiliate marketing. And if you want to win, then ask yourself how you can provide more value to your audience. Can you create a piece of content to meet them where they are in their customer journey? Or can you partner with a product or service that solves the need of your audience? And I'd love to hear your biggest takeaways and what you're going to do to take action. So please share in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 12. And thank you so much for joining me today. If you have found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast and subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I'm sharing all about audiences. I will be taking a deep dive into all of the various options we have for finding our ideal customers with Facebook and Instagram ads. All right, that's all for today. Take care and bye for now. 